Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Here from cloudy Florida. Uh, exceptionally warm for this time of year. <clears throat> uh, but uh, pretty good for golf is Dr. Simon. And my show is the stories we live by. And today I want to continue uh, my discussion that I've uh, begun in the last three or four episodes about psychotherapy uh, as a process. And I called tonight's stor- uh, story that a double story. There's psychotherapy and patients. And that psychotherapy where therapy is in quotes and patients are in quotes. And what motivates this always uh, on the larger scale, what made me keep thinking about authoritarianism, totalitarianism, uh, as a powerful factor in how people live their lives, uh, has been the rise of of, uh, tribalism, authoritarian tribalism in the United States. And uh, there was an article this Sunday in the New York Times written by uh, Andrew Sullivan. It was on the front page and continued uh, in in the book review, the front page of the book review, and then continued uh, within the body of the book review, in which he argues we are now uh, losing rapidly uh, a democracy that guides us and listening to uh, attacks on our law enforcement, on our security apparatus, on anybody who doesn't agree uh, with the president uh, and those in the Republican Party who uh, stand with him, uh, and how people are are, uh, in, in this very dangerous place where once we really lose all our rights, once there is no election, uh, once there are no parties, uh, that there is no dialogue. <clears throat> We're in a place where uh, all law and all power goes to the leader. And psychologically, this becomes devastating for people. And in my work over the years, my 50 years plus of, with, with so-called patients, uh, it has almost always been the case that the most unhappy people grew up in very strict authoritarian and totalitarian systems where obedience defined being good. And that these individuals become so confused because after a while, the threats of punishment, the labeling of them as bad children, as disobedient children, uh, the, 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 the uh, assaults on them, uh, often physically and psychologically, uh, the terrible punishments that could be meted out, locking kids in closets and threatening them with, with physical harm, and uh, behind it all, a feeling of uh, not being loved because the terror of parental withdrawal of love is, is very powerful. 
what happens is that the individual turns against those aspects of the, themselves, their thoughts and their feelings that are individually theirs. And as a result, uh, they become afraid to even act, not only to act on their impulses, uh, but to act, uh, to, to be afraid of even thinking or feeling, either outwardly, uh, keeping secrets, constant secrets about everything, but keeping the secrets from themselves, which results in terrible self-hatred and anxiety, uh, uh, confusion, and an inability really to make clear decisions. Uh, in a democracy, uh, and I did a show on the rise of democracy, there is a shared telling a sharing of stories. And as the child gets older, uh, more and more of a negotiated willingness on the part of parents to allow the developing child to make more decisions on their own so that ultimately they become equal partners as adults with their parents. So I am not suggesting here, and I've never suggested that uh, my idea of democracy is people doing anything they want to do. That's anarchy. That's the breakdown of family, the breakdown of culture, the breakdown of society. But the whole struggle politically over the centuries is for individuals to have a right to choose their leaders and make their desires and needs known. Ultimately, in a well-organized society uh, where there might be threat or where decisions have to be made, the leaders have to make the decision. But always to the review of the people they make them for. And as we move into a situation politically that reflects some of the most unhappy families that I've worked with, uh, it becomes clear that people will increasingly become afraid to express themselves. Uh, they, will not, they will fear uh, talking out loud. Um, and then the, the look for scapegoats to blame for their own confusion, their own anger, uh, uh, the projection out of their, of their hatred. Uh, and you have then warring tribals, tribalism. Uh, many families are war zones where the children learn, and I'm going to talk today about oppositional defiant disorder, uh, a so-called mental illness, where children simply fight with their parents endlessly and refuse uh, to, to uh, uh, give up uh, uh, tormenting their parents uh, by disobeying them. And if we look at this, uh, as, as a family issue, it's that they haven't yet been crushed, but they have learned that the way in which you protect your, your central identity is by defying authority at all costs. This is rebellion. Uh, and, and rebellion in a society is often put down mercilessly because to rebel uh, is to be treasonous, to uh, rebel uh, against one's religion is to be uh, uh, apostate, 
to be a heretic. Uh, but ultimately, uh, if the parent or the society is not going to take uh, its authority and try to crush rebellion, it grows. And it becomes a permanent part of the social interaction. But it also becomes a permanent part of the battle within the individual. It is very hard not to feel what one actually feels. Um, Some of the most unhappy people I've worked with came from very authoritarian religious families. Uh, When Freud began the idea of psychoanalysis, he made clear that if we are to make a moral judgment about somebody, it should be their behavior, not their thoughts and not their feelings. That the only way an individual can act appropriately on their thoughts and feelings is to know what they are. And hopefully, to be able to negotiate their expression at an appropriate level of their development with uh, adults whether this is on a larger political level or whether it's on a family level or in the school, who recognize the struggle that they're involved in. That is, an individual who seeks to have more authority and self-expression in their own life. Uh, I have said this many times. I'll say it again. To live alone without family, to live alone outside of society, It's not only uh, torturous because our survival is wired into us to be part of a family, to be part of a society. But to be crushed by the the authority in one's life is equally torturous. It is always a tension between a child growing up and expressing themselves as individuals, their own desires, their own creative expression, and their uh, need to be part of the family. This has to be negotiated from the child's side, and it has to be negotiated from the parent's child. And in the larger society, this is an endless negotiation. The definition of politics is working out differences in desire and differences in expression uh, um, uh, uh, between what people want for themselves and each other. And the authoritarian and the totalitarian always works in the same way. It uses crushing force, but before that, it operates on a shaming system, using labels and placing an individual in a hierarchy that they dare not uh, uh, attempt to leave. Uh, When a parent says to a child, it's my way or the highway, pack your your bags, you're out of here, and a kid is seven or eight years old, uh, they're in a very difficult position. Uh, One has to listen to one's parents under certain circumstances, uh, but not in thought, not in emotion. And I first became aware of this when I'm working with uh, people of other religions. I was raised in a Jewish neighborhood. Uh, And I knew and played with children who were not Jewish, but we never discussed the psychological dynamics of the religion. 
Uh, I was never taught by my religion. I'm not allowed to think what I want to think or feel what I feel. I was judged for my behavior, not my thoughts. And I started working with patients. Uh, I discovered that uh, in one young woman, one of the first patients I ever worked with, uh, her Catholic teaching said that the thinking of certain thoughts uh, uh, was equal to the acting on them. Uh, and she was a very angry young girl who grew up uh, and went to school in a very authoritarian Catholic school. Uh, I don't think they're the same at this point, uh, some, some 50, 60 years later. I hope not, anyway. Um, uh, where there was a tremendous amount of real harsh punishment on children who were disobedient, who did not follow God's law, uh, as interpreted uh, by the teachers, almost all of whom were nuns. And she had this desire that she wanted to strike one of the nuns. And this created this terrible crisis in her because to think about hitting her nun teacher was the same as doing it in her mind. And she was overwhelmed with guilt uh, 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 and, and concern. When she became more adolescent, her sexual desires were told to be forbidden and controlled at all costs. And that is not easy to do at adolescence, nor uh, from my value system and from my notion as a psychologist, impossible to do and ultimately destructive. Uh, I won't go through some of the machinations she did uh, uh, about uh, acting out on these impulses in relation to priests and others within the clerical hierarchy. But it was a terrible, terrible struggle for her. Uh, and ultimately, what she thought she was going to win uh, as an adolescent turned against her, uh, both uh, socially and also within her own head. And by the time I saw her, she was guilt-ridden, filled with shame and self-hatred and anxiety and depression about the fact that she could never appropriately manage her own sexual desires. Uh, I've worked over the years with gays. And today, uh, the social recognition uh, that most gays have, have uh, achieved in many areas of society allows them to express their desires uh, and be comfortable with them and create relationships that are loving and creative allowing them uh, to live in a way uh, that they feel is a necessity. There's nothing to be done about it. In others, uh, those feelings are still attacked. And many of the patients 30 years ago, uh, to admit that they had these feelings, uh, when they finally did, was a tremendous relief. And the look on their face, would I throw them out of my office? In other words, would I be... Uh, another authoritarian uh, a male who would attack them or try to beat them up or try to do something uh, to destroy uh, either them physically or psychologically. And, 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 and uh, at that time, when I was a younger psychologist, homosexuality was a mental disease. It was a disorder. It was changed uh, years ago, some years ago, when a number of uh, that when when gays started coming out, 
and gay psychiatrists and psychotherapists decided enough. Uh, We can't keep calling people bad names that we refuse to accept for ourselves. And it was at that point that that, uh, homosexuality was de-diagnosed. So, where does this leave us? Most of the psychotherapists I have known are democratic at heart. They want to listen and they want to hear their patients. They want to help them uh, express and own their thoughts and feelings, uh, work out and work on relationships in their life that are very unhappy and find ways to make them happier, more loving, uh, uh, without leaving the relationships or, if necessary, creating new relationships. They want to be bound into the family of men and women. They want to be bound. And yet, at the same time, find a way to live within themselves where they don't judge themselves endlessly, where they're afraid of their own thoughts and afraid of their own feelings. And I call that psychotherapy with quotes. Uh, And I call anybody who becomes a patient in in that system uh, a patient in quotes because psychotherapy is not anything to do with medicine. It is a learning process. It is a process in which one person helps another person in an atmosphere of, uh, of, of acceptance and dignity and non-coercion express themselves in such a way that whatever they say is listened to and reflected back so that they can begin to understand how they got to the point where they're terrified of their, of their feelings, where they're angry at authority at all times and under all circumstances, where they hate themselves, where they can never comfortably express themselves or find an outlet for their thoughts and their desires, for, for themselves uh, to be whole people. I'd like to get rid of the whole language, but here's the rub for anybody who is going to go to uh, therapy. If you find a therapist, and I tend to prefer psychoanalytically trained uh, or uh, psychoanalytic therapists or those who follow a more psychoanalytic bent. Uh, uh, Freudian therapy is still around, I suppose, uh, but it's much more interpersonal and intersubjective where you can sit face-to-face with somebody and say everything that you think and feel, feeling safer and safer over time, that you will not be shamed, that you will not be abused, that you will not be thrown out of the office, where a relationship of trust forms. But here's the rub. If you could find such a person and pay separately, you don't have to be diagnosed. The medical model, especially as it's increasingly uh, uh, ossified, increasingly uh, uh, under that notion of of medicalization, demands a diagnosis before the insurance company will reimburse a person as a patient. And this 
is destructive. Most of these diagnostic terms have nothing to do with anything medical. Nothing. There are no medical tests for any of the diagnostic uh, 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 the hundreds and hundreds of diagnoses in, in the uh, medical lexicon that are now used by psychologists and social workers and, and nurse practitioners who claim to be psychotherapists. And therefore, for the best intentions of the psychotherapist to put their therapy in quotes and see their patients as metaphorical patients with whom they are helping metaphorical illnesses, it becomes a traditional top-down kind of a process in which the individual, in the name of a medical situation, is judged and told, just as in all the other systems of authoritarianism and totalitarianism, you are defective. In the religious system, you are defective in the eyes of God. You've got to make yourself right. In the political system, you're treasonous. And in the medical system of human interaction, you are mentally disordered. Dealing with that is a real problem. Uh, I was looking at some of the psychotherapists in Miami, because I don't know anybody here, and occasionally somebody will ask me for a referral. And since I am uh, 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 really re quite retired, uh, I don't really want to spend a long time with people uh, uh, in getting involved in a real ongoing, long-term kind of important psychotherapy. Uh, it's expensive. I see the low end of the fees that are being asked by private therapists, $180, that go up to $300 a session. And if you go even once a week, you're talking about uh, uh, possibly $1,000 a month, which if your income allows you to, to spend that, is not a problem. But for most of us, we're going to want a, a, um, a, a reimbursement from our insurance company. But the insurance company is medical insurance. There's no other kind of insurance that will reimburse psychotherapy, pseudo-medical, pretending to be medical. And I won't go into tonight the horror of convincing people that their brains are permanently defective and the only way to deal with their unhappiness and their confusion and self-hatred and their hopelessness and helplessness and doubt is to shut down their brain's ability to feel these and other emotions in the name of fixing or tweaking their biochemistry. And as I said many times before, the moment any one of these disorders can be shown to be based in real medicine, I won't be able to see them, and the psychiatrists won't be able to see them, and the social workers won't be able to see them, uh, neurologists, uh, endocrinologists, and others who work with those aspects of neurology and biology will be the ones to treat them. And there won't be a talk therapy, except to the degree that it might be supportive or help people become compliant with the physical treatment that will be administered to them. 
Right now, it's all the giving of drugs, and that's basically what it is. I wanted to do something for a moment here. When I used to teach this, this theory, this idea, that uh, um, this is all uh, made-up pseudo-medicine, that many of us know, but few of us dare speak out, because when you do speak out, as uh, I do or I have done, you're attacked. You're told you're crazy, you have problems, uh, and attacks in a variety of ways. Uh, <clears throat> Thomas Zass uh, was removed uh, from his teaching position at Upstate Medical College uh, when he wrote his book, The Myth of Mental Illness and the Manufacture of Madness, which I think is probably a better book than The Myth of Mental Illness in many ways. Uh, although they couldn't get his license removed, so he still could earn a living through his practice. But when I taught this, I used to use, it was my favorite diagnosis to do this, oppositional defiant disorder. Let me read the definition of oppositional defiant disorder in the DSM-5. This is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual number five. Patients are often angry and irritable, tending towards touchiness and hair-trigger temper. They will disobey authority figures or argue with them, and they may refuse to cooperate or follow rules, sometimes if only to annoy. Uh, does that sound medical? I can assure you there isn't the medical test in the entire world that will take pain in the ass children and show it and reduce it to something medical. Let me read a paragraph. Though ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, runs in families, genetic relationships are not certain. Of course not. Some authority attribute ODD to discipline that is harsh and inconsistent, which is what I talked about before. Others to imitation of personal behavior. Your parent has been defying authority all his life against authority that was authoritarian and inconsistent, and now the child is doing it. Low socioeconomic status may contribute through the stress of living at or near the poverty line. Does this sound like a medical problem or a social problem, a moral problem, a problem of social relationships? So if you are going to go and find a therapist and not get caught up in the snare of a moral label that can end up having you say, I am a depressive, I am a schizophrenic. I am disordered in this way or another, which now defines the very essence of your being as inferior, pretending that you're medically ill. And then, by the way, taking the responsibility for changing your behavior out of your hands. A good psychotherapist, in quotes, does not tell patients what to do and does not tell the patient, do something to the patient. Everything is done with the patient. And when it's done with, the patient now is in quotes because they're not really a medical patient listening to the authority of the doctor, but one human being who hopefully knows and sees something in the other 
that they want them to understand or help them to understand in a non-coercive way. And they're not dealing with sickness. And yet, even when good therapists do this, they defend to the death the idea of their diagnostic system because earning a living in this system demands that you outwardly believe what you're saying about the diagnoses and the reality of the disorders and illnesses that the patient supposedly has. Freedom is never given to us. We earn it. We fight for it. OCD kids, ODD kids are fighting for their freedom in a system that is often hypocritical and gives them mixed messages. In a totally top-down system, people learn to hate themselves for what they think, for what they feel, for what they do, and find all kinds of sneaky, lying ways to do it, and ultimately hiding from themselves their true intentions, creating terrible anxiety and terrible confusion. I always see psychotherapy, in quotes, as a way to help people work out these inner dynamics and improve their social relationships so that they act more democratically and fairly as authorities with others. Not what we're seeing more and more in the larger society and in so many families, screaming fights that dehumanize one side to the other that often lead to violence and lead to the destruction of both the family or the society and all of the individuals within it. Because we are, on the social level, on the larger level, I believe in great danger. I believe this is true. And we're running out of time and action to restore some clear democratic rules of law by which the leaders and the led uh, 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 interact. And I have been working with families, although uh, all my life, although I never put it in these political terms until the last years of my profession, when I began to be aware of looking at them from a political point of view and relating them to the ideas of authoritarianism, where you're obedient in behavior, and totalitarianism, where you must be obedient in thought and feeling as well. If you go to a therapist, now I'm talking to anybody who might be interested in this, ask them what diagnosis they're giving you on your insurance form, and make sure you understand exactly what the diagnosis says it is. Because if it's something that will follow you for the rest of your life, and anybody who looks at that diagnosis and don't trust the idea of, of, uh, of, of uh, secrecy and confidentiality beyond a certain point, the records of insurance companies can be hacked. The records of, of, of anything today on the Internet or in people's computers, can be made public, as we're seeing daily, uh, uh, in one awful way and another. There is no privacy any longer. So you must know what's written about you. And whether or not your so-called therapist is going to work with you and explain all of these things, 
Uh, I worked for 10 years in a doctor's office. Uh, he had a, a, a second doctor who would come in when I'm not there. And in this office, uh, I sat behind a large desk in a high, tall chair while my patient sat on a couch away from me on the other side of the desk where their heads, no matter how tall they were, were lower than mine. It took a lot of effort to drag another chair into the room so I could sit face to face with them and not be the great doctor looking down upon them, but somebody who is morally and socially their equal. Look at how an office is set up. Look at how you're treated in an office. Uh, I think that's about it. I think I've done enough for tonight. Uh, I feel good about tonight's broadcast. I've said everything I want to say. Uh, but most of all, just as my parting caveat, know the diagnosis and what it means. And be careful and able to argue with the therapist that you've never had a medical test that shows you have anything medically wrong. And if this is a judgment about your behavior, it is therefore a an ethical, moral judgment, not a medical judgment, and that you have a right to negotiate with the person working with you that you don't want to be called bad names because this, it becomes a power struggle, and this ends up being psychotherapy in patients rather than psychotherapy in quotes, metaphorical therapy, and patients, metaphorical patients. Dr. Simon here, time for some dessert, watch some TV with my wife, uh, I'm going to shut this off, I'll give another 30 seconds if anybody wants to come on and make a comment or engage in a discussion, I could do that, okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.